0: It was a privilege this week to be able to share the truth that Lee just shared that he had just come to personally of it's not our good works, we can never repay our debt that we owe our God because of our sin, we can only receive a gift that he has given to us in Jesus and to share with that man and for the eyes of his eyes to just go, I get it, Uh, I'm a new person in Christ. That my sin is forgiven and it's not what I do but what it is receiving, what has been done for me. I simply want to clarify for each of you this morning that to be born again, to have a relationship with God is not about being moral, attending church, stopping doing things that you know are wrong. It's about believing that you cannot change yourself, you need A Savior, and only Jesus can be that savior. It is salvation is not for the proud, it is only for those who will humbly admit, I need somebody to do something for me that I cannot do for myself. Uh, Jesus as our savior will always confront and crush our pride. And so it is only for the humble. And so I rejoice with Lee and his trusting in Jesus and would invite you, if you have never trusted in Jesus, known about him but never trusted in him, uh, that you would trust in Jesus this morning. If you're not sure what that means or how that would work out in your own life, Please take a communication card, grab me afterward, but have a conversation so that you would know that you know that you have entered into relationship with God through faith in Jesus. So before we jump into the scriptures, you can turn to 1 Thessalonians 2, but before we jump in to 1 Thessalonians 2, uh, I want to make sure that you have two very important things in your mind. Number one. Uh, as the video reminded us, power-up clubs are coming and we still are praying that you will, if you have not yet agreed to, that you would go, I, I want to flood my front yard <laughs> with neighbors for the sake of the gospel. And so uh, we still could use more front yards. I said to you a couple weeks ago, we have teenagers ready to show up to share the gospel and to teach the scriptures More teenagers than front yards right now. So can we change that? And let's give them an opportunity to have that privilege of being an instrument of God. So uh, stop by in the courtyard this morning or send us uh, an email and let us help you figure out how you can be a host home for our power-up clubs. Second, if you would... Take your bulletin and and don't turn to the message memo yet, but look inside, bottom right. We always have there a weekly giving report, but we've added something, and that is for our short-term summer mission trips I want to bring that to your attention because uh, this year we have more folks participating in a short-term mission trip than ever. We have 62 folks going and going to some great places in terms of for gospel impact. Albania, a country that had once proclaimed itself an atheistic country. The Philippines to uh, the nation of Israel and to Southeast Asia. 62 folks going between spread out there. The total need for that to happen was over $200,000. $133,000 has already been given, so we're still short $70,000. So if you have received some letters for short-term support and have not responded, I encourage you to do so if you didn't receive any, but you would like to participate, please... Just offer a donation for our short term mission trips and it'll help someone be able to participate on these. We do these because as we jump into 1 Thessalonians 2, the premise for this whole series, multiply disciples who make disciples, is this that God does and always has intended to fill the earth with his glory. I want to keep coming back to that. God intends to fill the earth with his glory. The way he intends to do it now, I hope you're gathering this now, is by disciples making disciples. That's how he intends to fill the earth with his glory. That that is part of why we do this short-term mission trip, so that the gospel will go to places where the church is not yet thriving to be able to multiply there. So we share in that. And you can by giving towards those short-term mission trips. But don't just think other nations. Think even in our community. God intends to fill Jacksonville, St. John's County, Duval County, Clay County, Nassau County. He intends to fill with his glory through disciples, Christian Family Chapel, disciples who make disciples. You're probably familiar with Jesus' command. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. Not just in this county, not just in the surrounding counties, but to all the nations. And here's what a disciple maker does. They baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In other words, when someone hears And repents and believes like Lee heard, repented and believed, then we baptize them, not because the baptism saves them, but because they are obeying the Lord's command, who is their Savior, to be baptized. So a disciple maker baptizes and a disciple maker teaches them to observe all that Jesus had taught his disciples. So, three core activities in disciple making sharing the gospel. Helping a new believer grow in truth and love. And equipping that believer then to make disciples themselves, to multiply themselves. So this is all by way of review. I'm bringing it back to you right now in this moment for this reason. Is this theory or can you literally in your life, if you are already a disciple of Jesus, can you put names of people in your life where you're going, yeah, I'm a disciple who wants to make disciples. So here's who I'm seeking to share the gospel with. It always begins by sharing the gospel. If, If you want to be a disciple maker, you got to share the gospel. Wanting to be a disciple maker and not sharing the gospel is being married and wanting to have kids and not doing what you need to do to have kids. Is that clear enough for you? All right, enough said. We've got children in the room. Enough said. So that, that's sharing. You, you can have, I already said. It. Or <clears throat> second, it's then helping that new person because the Bible says a person who hasn't yet believed is dead in their sins and then they are alive in Christ. But they're an infant and it's helping that spiritual baby to grow up. You know that. That's theory. Any names. For, for you, that you're going, I'm a disciple. Here's the person I'm trying to, or the people I'm trying to help them grow up by investing in them, by sharing with them in truth and love. Stuck my head over in the, the New Believers class that's happening right now on 930. And it's really grateful. That's a room packed full of people, some who are New Believers and some who are saying... I want to be equipped to help do this. They're going to put names to it. Any names for you? And then this. This is then saying, I am not only multiplying, I'm prepared to help other people learn to multiply. We'll talk about that part in a little bit later in the message today. But my point only is this. Before we jump into this passage... If we finish six weeks of this series from 1 Thessalonians 2 and 3, multiply. And it doesn't result in CFC disciples, specifically real people, saying, I'm going to begin to share the gospel. And I'm going to choose to put myself in an environment where I'm helping a some new believers grow in their faith or an environment where I'm helping mature believers begin to multiply. Unless that happens, we've, in some sense, we've wasted our time for six weeks in the scriptures. This is not just something to understand. I'm simply, I am attempting to help you grab the, the biblical rationale for disciple making. But unless, unless we start investing our lives in people, Real names here, then man, we should have just slept in on Sunday. Because the scriptures intended to change how we live our lives. So uh, I don't know everybody's spiritual journey in here over in North, but. If you are one who would identify yourself as a disciple, a follower of Jesus, the whole point of this series is not that you would know this, but there would be real names, real people who you would begin to invest in. That's the point of the scriptures. Sometimes we don't do it because it's like, Oh, that feels like too hard, too big, too intimidating. So let me encourage you. After Jesus said, here's what I want you to do. And can you imagine being intimidated? Those disciples hearing Jesus say, hey, I want you to go do what I did. Oh, we're not you. Ever thought that? I'm not Jesus. And he goes, and lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. So yeah, you're not Jesus. Agree. But you have him in you if you are a disciple. So never a reason to go, I can't do this. Never a reason to shrink back. Never a reason to be intimidated. Hey, I can't change the way we feel. I feel inadequate lots of times. But I believe that Christ is in me and he gives me all that I need to do all that he says, because he's in me. So I realize I am calling you disciples to new steps of faith, but I never want to call you to new steps of obedience of faith without reminding you of the presence of Christ in you to give you all you need to do all he says. And here's the best part. Because he's in you, it's going to be easy. Okay, that's a joke. That's not true. <laughs> You're looking at me like, ah, that, 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 Everything I said up to that point was true. Not that last sentence. Because he's in you does not mean it will be easy. In fact, I've told you the last couple of weeks, truth in advertising here. It's going to be hard and It's going to be incredibly joy-filled. That's our text this morning. We're going to look at a long section. You know, sometimes I take a half a verse. But today, we're going to look starting in 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13, the whole way through the end of chapter 2, and then the first eight verses in chapter 3 for this reason. It's Paul reflecting on when he went to Thessalonica to be a disciple who multiplied he's reflecting on man here was what was hard but here was what was joy filled about it so i'm gonna read you follow along and just mentally be looking for oh that was hard there that was hard oh man that was joy filled and what we'll come up with is four hards and six joy joy-filleds. so be on your toes verse 13 for this reason he says, remembering back, reflecting. For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but for what it really is the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you also endured the same sufferings at the hands of your own countrymen, even as they did from the Jews who both killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out. They are not pleasing to God, but hostile to all men hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved with the result that they always fill up the measure of their sins. But wrath has come upon them to the utmost. But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short while in person, not in spirit, were all the more eager with great desire to do what? To see your face. For we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, more than once. And yet Satan hindered us for who is our joy or crown or or excuse me for who is our hope or joy or crown of exaltation is it not even you in the presence of our lord jesus at his coming for you are our glory and joy then he goes into chapter 3 therefore when we could endure it no longer What's he talking about here? He's talking about separation from his spiritual kids. When we could endure it no longer, we thought it best to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you as to your faith so that no one would be disturbed by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we have been destined for this. For indeed, when we were with you, we kept telling you in advance that we're going to suffer affliction. And so it came to pass, as you know, for this reason, when I could endure it no longer, I also sent to find out about your faith for fear that the tempter might have tempted you and our labor. You know, he's talking about our labor of disciple making, that our labor would be in vain. But now that Timothy has come back to us from you and has brought us good news of your faith and love and that you always think kindly of us longing to see us just as we long to see you, for this reason, brethren, in all our distress and affliction, we were comforted about you through your faith. For now we really live if you stand firm in your faith. Now, just as I read that for us, do you get a sense of how much he loved them? How much he cared for them as a parent, as we talked about last week, as a parent does for children? How invested, as a disciple of Jesus, he was in these growing disciples? Man, he wanted good for them. And it hurt him to not be with them. So, what was the hard, but what was the happy? Well, the hard, and probably first and foremost in the hard was this. The sacrificing of the comfortable and the convenient. And I should probably have made this even more specific. Sacrificing the comfortable and convenient of family and home. It's sacrificing the comfortable and the convenient of family and home. I am so struck that the Apostle Paul gave up what you and I cherish so much, and that is that sense of, I can always go home. He gave that up because he went from Philippi to Thessalonica to Athens to Corinth, Ephesus he went from city to city to city to city to city and it wasn't because he was like oh I'm tired of you people I'm going somewhere else (laughs) he wasn't running from something he was running to something he was running to the next place where he could be a disciple who multiplied who made disciples and then he he absolutely fell in love with those people and he was like God I want to be with you but I got to go to make more disciples. Can I translate that for a Christian family chapel? Get ready. Hide your toes right now. Here's, here's what competes against disciple making at Christian family chapel. A few of you are going to buy in, hopefully a lot more than a few. You're going to go, I want to do this. And you're going to start investing in your life some other folks. You're going to help them grow in their faith and you're gonna have a fond affection for them just like Paul had for the Thessalonians. And then as they grow and they are mature and ready to multiply, it's gonna be time to go like he went to the next city. It's, time for you, it's gonna be time for you to go, it's time to start a, another group and everything in you is gonna go, oh no but we're just really bonding. We're just really close. We're like family. Why don't we just stay together? And 15 years later, let's just stay together. You with me? There is something profoundly hard about disciple-making that simply means this. We pour our lives into folks who we grow to love and we send them out and start again with people that we don't love, but we know if we'll pour our lives into them, we'll come to love them and we'll not want to leave them. See, this is what's so powerful. Paul didn't want to be separated. He didn't even like to be separated, but he couldn't multiply himself without. starting again that's just not comfortable and that's not convenient that's hard I'm, I'm really challenged the number of folks who were disciples of Jesus because Paul was willing to say I love you <laughs> I gotta start again and he tried to work his way back to check in to make sure that they were good in their faith. But he did what we are so reluctant to do. And that is make new disciples who will make new disciples who will make new disciples. I think it's one of the hardest things because we love the comfort and the community. And, and the thing is, you go, but that's not bad. I agree. It's one of the great things that we get to experience. But if we hold on to it, we rob ourselves of multiply. It was hard for him to watch his kids suffer. You know, and when I say his kids, you understand his spiritual kids. I think Paul had an easier time honestly suffering for the gospel himself than watching his kids suffer for the gospel. It was hard, as we've already said, it was hard to, to be separated from his spiritual kids. And it was hard to be separated from his spiritual kids because that he was so, so zealous for their faith, that they would remain in the faith. That was what was on his heart. He didn't just like to hang out with them. He, he wanted to be with them for the sake of their faith, for their sake of their, their knowing God and being an instrument of God for more people finding life in Jesus. Now You may go, oh, wow. Go back in these in front of you and maybe this week read the text again and you'll see that this is what overflows. Man, this is what made it hard. And it's sometimes why we don't do what Paul did. We go, oh, man, if it's hard, I don't want to do the hard. I mean, who wants to do hard? I don't want to do hard. Let's do easy. Make it easy, Doug, and then I'm in. But you can't, disciple-making isn't easy. I just can't say that enough for It is hard. But there's a warning, and I hope I have every ear at this moment. There's a warning for those of us who will shrink back to protect ourselves from the heart. It's a quote I probably uh, maybe 15 years ago. First read by C.S. Lewis. I come back to this often when I think about the hard of new relationships, of starting again. He says, to love it all is to be vulnerable. Yes? To love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, not wrung, not broken, you must give your heart to no one, not even an animal, because an animal will die and break your heart. He says, wrap it carefully around with hobbies, in little luxuries, avoid all entanglements, lock it safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. And that grips me because the very thing that makes disciple-making hard, the risk of relationship, tempts us to shrink back to protect ourselves. But watch. The unintended consequence of protecting myself is robbing myself of what God has intended me to be and to do. In other words, it doesn't work. Jesus said it more succinctly. Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. I wonder if, if you right now, if you would apply this to your own thoughts about have you engaged intentionally saying I'm going to share the gospel and I have folks that I'm going to invest in who aren't mature, but I want to see them grow up and helping people who have grown up to multiply. If you don't have names, is it because you're trying to save your life, protect your life, keep the life, wrap it around the hobbies and the the luxuries that, that will protect you from getting your heart broken? Jesus says, when you do that, you're gonna end up losing the life you're trying to protect. But if, if for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of filling the earth with the glory of God, are you with me, friends? If for the sake of filling the earth with the glory of God, you will pour yourself out in those three core activities, sharing the gospel, building, and I'm not talking occupationally, just a lifestyle, of sharing the gospel, of helping new believers going, I want to grow up, multiplying. You will find the joy-filled life you thought you were going to get by not disciple-making. See, it so often comes down to do we, do we trust Jesus or do we lean on our own understanding, right? That's why Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is, is so powerful for so many of us. Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all your ways and he will direct your paths. I believe that. If I won't lean on my own understanding, if I won't try to, save my life, and end up losing it. But if I'll give my life, like Paul poured it in spite of the heart, and I'll find it. I see, I see the wheels turning in the minds. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. We just trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. So, what will you find? What will you find? Well, Jesus says, excuse me, Paul says here in 1 Thessalonians 2: what you'll find is the incredible joy of being an instrument through which God Himself speaks. There's no greater joy. Seriously, there really is. There's no greater joy. Uh, No offense to my six grandkids. Being an instrument of God through which he speaks is better than being a grandparent. And some of your grandparents are going, yeah, well, you're an idiot. You don't get it yet. Well, maybe I I don't get it. Uh, uh, But lay it side by side. Uh, I will take being an instrument through which God speaks. That is... The sweetest of all joys. This week, I should be able to sit across from the guy. I'd met him over at the table one Sunday that I wasn't teaching back in January. It was the first week in February, sorry. I went over to the table and I saw this guy sitting there. And my wife, who's a greeter over there, said, hey, if you, if you talk to him. And she said, hey, I don't talk to, like, single men at a table. I was like, good point. Let me go talk to him. <coughs> struck up a conversation man the, it was only the Lord it went like deep and personal fast emailed a few times since then grabbed me after Easter and said man we gotta talk finally got it together simply I, it wasn't like oh I used like my magic words just opened up the scripture with him And his it was like the light came on. Oh Wow. I've known about Jesus, but He he would forgive fully and completely, not by my works, so much guilt for all the wrong trying to pay it back, trying to pay it back, never always with that reality. I, my, I still got a bill due to hear the gospel in him and go, I've been trusting in myself. I've never trusted in Jesus. You're right. I agree. To see him be born again, There's no greater joy than being an instrument through which God speaks. And some of you know it, you're thinking of that joy that you've had. Some of you, it's a joy you have not yet. Being a disciple who makes a disciple is a, the joy of being an instrument through which God speaks. Peter says it this way Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. That's the privilege. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. It's almost like he's in me. Oh, yeah, that's true. He's in me and so he's speaking through me. He's in me and so it's his strength serving through me. That's the privilege. So that in all things God may be. The earth will be filled with his glory. That section where you live, when you're an instrument through which he speaks, through which he works. Earth is filled with his glory. That's the incredible joy of being an instrument through which God speaks. Recognizing it's his work. It's the Lord's work. I simply get to be the channel. You simply get to be the channel. It's his work. And that's just good news, because if it was our work, we would screw it up royally, right? It's his work. D- do, you, do you know how badly in the midst of this series I have had to go, Lord, if CFC disciples are going <laughs> to become disciple makers, that's going to have to be your work, because I just can't talk you into it. At some point, you've got to hear the utterance of God come through this clay vessel, and you go, yes, Lord. It's his work. And that's incredibly relieving. I get to be the instrument. I still speak. You still speak the gospel. You still invest the minutes, but you recognize when when a new person in Christ grows up in Christ, that's the Lord's work. When a growing up in Christ then begins to multiply, that's the Lord's work. It's his work. It's the way Jesus described how he lived, God wrapped in human flesh. He says to his disciples in the upper room, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? So I'm in the Father, the Father's in me, The words, Jesus speaking here, the words that I say to you, I actually don't speak on my own initiative. This was mind-blowing to me when I finally got a hold of John 14. Jesus never did anything according to his own initiative. Jesus didn't go, I'm gonna go here today and I'm gonna speak this today. And here's the sermon today. He only did what the father who was in him prompted him to do. And the father abiding in me does my work. Okay, folks, this is when you shake your head. I didn't read that right. The Father abiding in me does his work. See, I don't need God to bless my work. I need to do his work, and then it'll be blessed. Did you hear that? You want God to bless your life like mad. You want God to bless your work like mad. You want God to bless your family. You want God to bless your family, your life, your work, then, then do his work. Because Jesus said, I'm in you and you're in me as I was in the Father and the Father was in me. And I abided in him and he did his work as he abided in me. And I want you to abide in me and I'll do my work through you. It's the Lord's work. It's the incredible joy-filled privilege of disciple-making. It's his work. Third, there will be a reward for the heart. See, I can't take the heart away. I can tell you there'll be a reward for it. (laughs) Now, I don't know if that means much to you. It meant a lot to Jesus, and it meant a lot to his followers, that in the midst of their suffering, he would would constantly say, hey, it's just for a little while, the reward's gonna be for eternity. So can I have your eyes for a moment? If the bill is for a little while and the reward is for eternity, what's that called? That's called like a win, that's called like a great investment. You You know what a lousy investment is? I keep it for a little while and lose it for all eternity. That's a lousy investment. So, will it be hard? Will you want to hang with your buddies and not multiply again? Yeah, it'll be hard. And there'll be a reward. Jesus says very directly. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Have you ever had people lie about you, say false things against you as a Christ follower? Man, you want to get them, God. You pray against that like mad, right? You get your family, let's pray, to make it stop. And, and the very things we pray against, you know what? Jesus says, rejoice and be glad. What? (laughs) Yeah, rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. In other words, you are in sweet company. You're in good company. A small but hard price to pay for an eternal Reward, and part of the reward is what he says next: the the joy of eternity is not uh, abstract. The joy of eternity is very specific. Did you notice in our text what was the joy of eternity that Paul looked forward to? Verse 19, chapter 2. And he sums it up very succinctly, verse 20. For who is our hope or joy or crown of all exaltation? Is it not even you? Who? The ones who I've multiplied. Is it not even you? In the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming, you are our Hope and joy. See, he really genuinely believed that for all eternity he was going to reap the reward and the joy of the hard he endured in disciple making. We're just not very good investors. I, just bottom line, we're just not very good investors. We get caught up in the temporary, the here, the now, give me fast, easy, and we sacrifice the joy of eternity. Paul did see it that way. He was like, I'll take the heart and I'll reap the joy for all eternity. That's, that's a reminder, folks, that, that I have to tell myself constantly. Because do I you mean just is it not even you? This is why I started it in the three actions. Are there names? Do you have any names right here? People who will be part of your joy in eternity. That's the privilege of being a disciple who makes disciples. So I keep telling you it's hard, but hear me much louder, much clearer. The reward will be far greater than the heart. Only in our foolishness would we hold on to the easy. Fifth, Part of the happy, part of the joy is sharing the ministry with others. Now, in the text, when Paul is in this specific where, who was the person that Paul shared the ministry with there in Thessalonica? When he couldn't get back, he sent Timothy because Timothy was able to do what Paul couldn't do. He could go back, and 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 then he came back to Paul, and he said, man, your spiritual kids are good. They're walking with Jesus. They're obeying him. You'd be super, super happy. And he was like, man, thank you, Timothy. My heart is joy-filled. Do you know how rich that is, that, that we are in this together? It's the Lord's work through us. See, can, can Ephesians 4 paint a picture for you? We, think Christian Family Chapel, okay? Eyes up here on the screen, if you would, please. Disciples at Christian Family Chapel are to grow up in all aspects into Him, Jesus, from whom. The whole body, every one of us who has believed and been born again made a new person in Christ. From whom the whole body being fitted, think puzzle, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies. So you supply, and you supply, and you supply, and you supply, and you supply something, and you supply something, and you supply something, and you supply something what do you supply according to the proper working of each individual part? And some of you know this, this is the beautiful picture of the the church in the New Testament of a body. And each of us has a part to play and when each part of my body functions as it's intended to, then this body works well. But when some parts of the body don't do their point, what they don't supply, what they're intended to supply, then the body suffers. See Christian Family Chapel? disciples of Jesus at Christian family chapel, when you are not growing up into maturity. You are not only in trying to protect yourself, you're not only robbing yourself, you are you're hurting the whole body. The whole body suffers. When Timothy's don't do what Timothy's were made to do. When Paul's, don't do what Paul's were made to do. One of the greatest privileges is to be in this together. That you really don't have to be all things, everything to every single person, but to to do our part. The health of Christian Family Chapel is not only what happens here. I'm not undermining that the health of Christian Family Chapel is dependent upon a commitment to teaching of the Word of God. All right? But the health of Christian Family Chapel is dependent upon each of you as a disciple of Jesus growing up in all aspects, in unto Him, which means we're moving from dead in our sins to alive in Jesus, to growing up to maturity, to multiplying, being a disciple who makes a disciple together. And then one of his greatest joys in this text is seeing your kids remain in the faith, right? I love what he says about seeing his kids remain in the faith when he says in verse eight, for now we really live if you stand firm in the faith. Man, this is when when I see my kids walking with Jesus, my heart just sings. That's why he loved what Timothy partnered with him because he didn't know. I I'm no apostle Paul. <laughs> but in my years at CFC, I've known the incredible joy of seeing people come to Jesus and walk with Jesus and thrive in Jesus and lives transformed by the gospel. And I've experienced the incredible heartbreak of seeing people walk away and all the destruction that happens when people walk away from Jesus to their marriage, to their family. So there's really live when you stand firm in your faith. See, if we get the joy, and I hope you got it, I hope you heard the heart and then went, oh, but I'd be a fool to shrink back from it. The protection wouldn't work. It would only cost me. And you get the joy, because when we get the joy, here's what we conclude. That the joy of multiplying disciples makes it worth repeating as much as possible. To go, oh, I get to share again. I get to help somebody else grow up in their faith. Wouldn't I I love to have finished the conversation with, with this gentleman on Wednesday and turned around and said oh let me go to the 100 men at Christian Family Chapel who have said hey if anybody comes to Christ just give me their information I'll follow up because there's I'd love to invest in helping them grow up in Christ and you guys would be fighting over the, the next guy that you could pour into instead of me going is there anybody who would be willing to sacrifice a few minutes how awesome if, if there were a hundred ladies who said, the next time a, a lady at CFC professes faith in Christ, send us an email and one of us will go within 24 hours. We'll follow up and help them grow up in Christ. Wouldn't that be pretty awesome? If a whole bunch of you were going, hey, I want to I get in on filling the earth with the glory of God by being a disciple who makes disciples, multiplying Jesus. So at the chapel, where do we begin? Well, we're gonna go back to an old process that has a new name. <laughs> Simply what we're gonna rename DX groups. B. One, make one, as one. What's that mean? Be a disciple who makes a disciple as a disciple. So that a whole bunch of you go, I want to be in a DX group. That 18 months from now is not going to go, can we please stay together? Because we've gone really close. No! <laughs> Love one another and multiply. <laughs> I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying to be a catalyst for what God intends to do through His church. That's to be fruitful and multiply. So, interested in that? Uh, in D8, I said to Ryan, I can't imagine we're going to get everybody in D8. Now, maybe I'll be way wrong, but bring your skinny self to D8 because we're going to pack them in there, I hope, of disciples who want to make disciples. We'll do it if we simply believe this. Whoever wishes to save his life is going to lose it. But if you lose your life for his sake, you're going to find it. Finding it, life is in multiplication. So Father, I've asked that your spirit would speak to your, to your children this morning, trusting that you have, that you have spoken to them. And I pray, Lord, that you would grow us up, multiply us, your work, and our privilege. Maybe you'd seal it there in your seat just right now and just say, Lord, I've heard you. I'm available. Thanks for the privilege, Lord. Thank you for the incredible gift, for the opportunity, for all that you will do in the coming weeks and months. To the praise of your glory in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being with us. God bless.